run across a teaching series from one of our mentors that so moves us and encourages us, impacts us, that we are just compelled to share it with you. This is one of those series. And as a Christ follower, I happen to believe that God actually decided to become one of us. I know this is strange because throughout most of history, man has tried to ascend to God to get to God. And in some cases they've tried to become God, but God changed everything that moment. He decided to do what we could not because we could not get to God. We certainly could not become God, but God himself decided to do the unthinkable and come down here to us, to be one of us, to live among us. And we asked the question in this series, why? Why would he do that? Now we know the big answer to that, and that is to die for our sins. Yes, that's why he came. But there are some other reasons, some subtle reasons as to why he would come here. And one of those we discussed last week, and that was to tell us and to show us what God is like. You see, nature cannot reveal to us what God is really like. It can only say that God is a big God. Our creator is a big creator. There's no religious system. There's no church. There's no religious system that can really tell us what God is like. We could meditate all day long, every single day, but not really understand what God is like. And you see, God didn't want to just give us information in the form of text or a Bible. God decided to do something much bigger. He decided to come here personally, to personally show us exactly what God is like. And he did that through Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't claim to have the best explanation of God. In fact, Jesus claimed to be the best explanation of God. John, who wrote one of the Gospels, he tried to put some words to that to describe it. And in John chapter 1, verse 18, here is how he describes this from his words. He says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son is himself God and is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. And that's really what we were talking about last week, that Jesus showed up to make God known to us. We said last week, during your search for God, if you, if you move past Jesus, then you are actually moving past God. If in your search for God or to understand God, you stop short of Jesus, then you have stopped short of God. God would simply say, you want to know me more than yes, you want to understand me more, yes, yes, then look at Jesus. And that's why we challenged you last week to take this step, to read a gospel, one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and to ask this question, what do I learn about the Father by looking at the life of the Son? We encouraged you to do that last week, and in fact, we want to give you this morning an example, very practical today, an example of how to do that. We asked you to do it last week, and today we want to walk you through an experience. What does it mean when we go into the Gospels and we ask the question, what do we learn about the Father from the Son? We hope you're going to develop a lifelong habit of looking at God through the eyes of the Son 
You don't even have to be a believer in order to take this step with us. What do we learn about the Father by looking at the Son? So we want to give you an example of that today. Let's jump into the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 9. We're going to look at one snapshot of Jesus and his disciples and the people in the area um, of this, where this took place. And we're asking the question, what do we learn about the Father by looking at the life of the Son? So here we go, John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Verse 2, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because his own sins or his parents' sins? Now I can just imagine the blind guy off to the side thinking to himself, why are they talking about me? I'm right here. I mean, I'm right beside them. But what the, the question that the disciples are asking is really, it's really horrible theology, but this is the way they understood at this point in their lives. And Jesus does not shame them. He doesn't really correct them. He just kind of broadens their understanding. They were thinking that if someone has something bad happen in their life, it means that they must have sinned. If you blow it, then God's going to God's going to punish you. And, or if your parents blow it, then he might punish the children. That's what they thought. That was their limitation on their understanding. And Jesus begins to broaden that understanding and to explain a little bit more here. And this is what happens. Jesus answers in verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. So he's saying, he's saying, no, look, we're talking about this blind guy right here. And I can imagine the blind guy say, hey, listen, guys, I'm right here. You're still talking about me. I'm sitting right here. I can literally hear everything you're saying. I'm blind. I'm not deaf. I'm here. Why are you talking about me? Jesus says, hang tight. We're going to talk about you for a minute. This happened, he said, so, and he, which means, he, I'm going to pause here for a moment because Jesus says there is a reason why this happened. It's not because he sinned. He's not blind because his parents sinned. There is a reason. And he, he said this, this pain that this man is, is experiencing, there happens to be a reason behind it. Sometimes, sometimes our pain has absolutely nothing to do with a decision we have made, with something we have done. We just sometimes have pain in our lives. And Jesus gives us an explanation here. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now here's the first thing we learn. If we're asking the question, what do we learn about the father through the life of the son? Here's the first thing I think we can pause and say, this is something we learn from Jesus about God. God sometimes stops our pain to show his power. Sometimes God will move into our lives and stop some pain or some suffering in order for him to show his power. Now, this was new to the disciples. This was new to these people. This was beyond their understanding. They could not have learned this by just looking at nature. They could have meditated all day long and never come up with this. They could not have looked inside themselves and determined this was a characteristic of God. This could only be taught by Jesus. Jesus taught them that sometimes God will stop your pain to show his power. No religious system 
that they had lived under could have taught them this. This was brand new, straight from Jesus about God the Father. The only reason they knew this was because they were with Jesus. Something good, Jesus is saying, something good can come out of our pain. God can actually take a painful experience and leverage that pain for something good, for his purpose. Now, isn't that true? I know it is for me. I, I am so inspired when I look at the life of one of my friends or, or my family or, or someone I, I don't even know if I read about it or, or I hear a story a story of them, uh, of them going beyond the pain that they're in, through the pain, past the pain, and something good comes out of it at the end. I am inspired by that. I am motivated by that. And here Jesus is saying, that's a reality. Sometimes God will stop some pain in order to show his power. Now, this was not something his disciples could have just come up with. God had to reveal that to them through Jesus Christ. And that's what happened right there. They learned something new. Let's go to verse six. Then he spit on the ground. This is Jesus. We don't think about Jesus spitting loogies too much, but it's kind of gross. He spits on the ground, made mud with the saliva. That's doubly gross. And then he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes, the trifecta of triple grossness right there. Obviously, Jesus was not real aware of germ theory. That's pretty gross. Verse 7, he told him, he's speaking now to the blind man who is still blind, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Now here he explains, Siloam means sent, so the man went. So let me tell you what Dr. Seuss would say about this. This is just kind of strange. Jesus sent the man to sent and he went. That's the story. Jesus has a weird sense of humor here. He sent the blind man to sent and the blind man went and he had no idea where he was wenting. He had no idea. I mean, he couldn't see. He had no idea. It's like Jesus said, I want you to go over there. Great. Where? Where are you pointing? Where is this place? But the Bible says he finds it and he washed and came back seeing. Wow. Here's what happens now. Verse 8. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar ask each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said no. So they're having this debate no, some said he just looks like the he looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, so he's there right there with him. He's like, yes, I'm the one over here. Why are you talking about me? I am right here. Yes, it was me. I was blind. It was really me, guys. It's me. Verse 10, they ask, well, well who helped you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud. I, I, apparently he wasn't aware that Jesus spit to make the mud because he couldn't see him. He made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went 
and I washed, and now I see. Verse 12, well, where is he now? They ask. Um, I don't know, he replied. I couldn't see him. I don't know where he went. I was blind. Verse 19, then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now here's what's going on. Anytime there was like something big that happened, a miracle, something unexplainable, they would take you to the religious leaders, to the rabbis, the priests, the the Pharisees, those were professional uh, law keepers is what the Pharisees were. They would take you there so that they could determine if what happened to you really was a miracle from God or if it was not from God. Because after all, they knew everything, right? So they would decide if it was from God or if it was not. So they take him to the Pharisees. Verse 14, because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. It was a big deal to the Pharisees, these law keepers. It was a big deal to them that Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. It was equally a big deal that Jesus made mud because in their thinking, the way they decided the law should be, making mud and healing both were work. And it was the Sabbath and they were forbidden from working. And Jesus and their understanding of the law, the way they read it, the way they interpreted it and explained it. They said Jesus was working. So they have a problem now with Jesus. Verse 15, the Pharisees ask the man all about it. So he told them, he put mud over my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God. For he was working on the Sabbath. They're saying he can't be from God. He's not, this man Jesus is not following our tradition. You see, they had taken God's laws and they had added hundreds and hundreds of other laws about how to keep God's laws. And this was among the laws that they had determined themselves. And they're like, Jesus says, he's not following our laws, the things we've decided, our definitions and our rules. We have created this system and Jesus did not act inside of this box the way that we have created it. So we know God. We know what God thinks. We know what God's like. We know what God would do. And this is not what God would do. God would take a day off. This was not him taking a day off. We know better. We know God. We say that this is not right because we have a very sophisticated way of following and Jesus didn't fit in. Which is one reason why Jesus came was to show us what God was like. It goes on, others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So some were saying, no, it can't be of God. And the others were saying, it has to be of God. It's miraculous. So in today's world, if that were the case, we would have two new churches. We'd have one church over here that said, no way, God wouldn't do that. And we'd have the other church over here that said, yes, this is the way God does that. And they would go do their own church things. But in this day, they just sat there and argued about it. So they argued, some said no, some said yes. And in verse 17, then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded. So 
So they're, they're not like questioning him in a friendly way. They demanded, what is your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Maybe prophet. Verse 18, the Jewish leaders still refused to believe that the man had been blind and could now see. So they called his parents in. Of course, which is what you should do. Call in the parents. So they called in the parents and here's what they said. Is this your son? Was he born blind? And if so, how can he now see? And his parents replied, well, we know this is our son. That's Fred. It's our son. We know he was born blind. You were blind. What happened? But we don't know how he can see and we do not know who healed him. Ask him. Ask Fred. Because he's old enough to speak for himself. Talk to him. He knows what happened. Just ask him. Verse 22. His parents said this because they were afraid. So they passed the buck back to Fred because they're afraid. Here's why they're afraid. They were afraid of these Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That doesn't sound too good, right? We know that sounds bad because we know what it means to be expelled from school. Bad thing because you got to do that whole year over, right? You got to wait till the next school year, do that year over. Sounds bad, but this is so much worse. Because if you were expelled from the synagogue, you were out for good, out forever, out. Which means if you could not get into the temple or the synagogue, you know what that means? You could not make a sacrifice for your sins, which meant you were cut off from God. And these leaders were using their power to influence the people so they wouldn't follow Jesus. They were threatening with cutting them off forever from God. Now that they couldn't really do that, we understand. But in their minds, they could. And they were afraid of being cut off by the religious leaders. So they were like, not going to say anything about the Jesus man. Let's pass that off to Fred. He can answer for himself. You see, the leaders had already decided they had already decided that Jesus could not be because Jesus didn't fit into their box that they had created for God. Verse 23. That's why they said, he's old enough. Ask him. Verse 24. So the second time they called the man who had been blind and told him. Now they try to, try to convince him, listen, God, God should get the glory for this. Because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. The leaders are saying, we know God. We know exactly what God is like. We know how God acts. We know what God will do. We know what he will not do. And this does not make sense. Do you know for you and me, there are also things about God that we're never going to figure out. And we're never going to understand and there are many things about God that we will never understand apart from Jesus Christ. And here, these leaders are trying to eliminate Jesus and understand God. And Jesus is really saying, you can't do it. I'm one in the same. Verse 25, 
So they're talking to this blind, formerly blind man, and they're saying, Jesus is a sinner. There's no way he could have done this. And here's what he says, verse 25. I don't, I don't know, he answers. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied. But I know this. You see, some of us, some of us go through these stages with God where we have this desire that we have to understand everything. In order for me to believe and follow Jesus, I have to understand everything. I have to answer the questions of gravity and why it's there and physics. I have to answer the question of the dinosaurs and Adam and Eve and creation. I have to understand all of that before I can follow Jesus. I need my questions answered. And here God preserves this conversation uh, regarding this young man for thousands of years. And maybe it is just for us to hear so that we can believe something without yet knowing everything. And he says this, I don't know if Jesus was a sinner. I don't know this, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. I can't answer all your questions, lawmakers. I I can't answer all your questions, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. I can't tell you a whole lot about this man, Jesus, but I know this. He made me see. I couldn't see, and now I can see. I don't know if he's a rabbi or a prophet or a messiah. I don't know that, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. Verse 26. But what did he do? They ask. How did he heal you? And he says, look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Do you want to hear it again? It's like he's making fun of him saying, listen, I was blind, but I think you guys are deaf. You're not listening to me. Oh, no. Or he says, maybe, 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 maybe you're not deaf. And he starts to make fun of them. He says, do you want to become his disciples too? He starts making fun of them. And then he gets the the response that he probably thought would come. Verse 28, then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know, they said, and we've got it figured out. We know that, who are you? We know this. We know this. We know God spoke to Moses. We don't even know where this man comes from. Verse 30. And he's still kind of teasing. Why? That's strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he came from. And he goes on to try to kind of argue with them a little bit. He says in verse 31, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. Now that happens to be bad theology, but the guy just is now in the process of becoming a follower of Jesus. So he doesn't yet have good theology. He says, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and to do his will. Now pause again. That's more bad theology. He, what he's saying is God will listen to people who work really hard God will listen to people who do right. And we know that God doesn't have a limitation on that. He listens to me. I'm a sinner. So again, it's bad theology, but the guy is just now in the process of becoming a follower of Jesus. So his theology is not going to be great. Verse 32, 
ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. He's saying, what a bad person. Would a bad person do this? Come on, guys. Come on, guys. You can't take God and put him in your little box of how you think God is. And now they get, they get kind of dirty with this guy. Verse 34, you were born a total sinner. In other words, they're saying, not like us. I mean, we're pretty good. We're really close to perfect, but not you, fella. You and your family, you are all sinners. You are no good. You're sinners. He's saying, are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Him, this, this word, threw him out of the synagogue. Here's what it means. They cut him off. No longer could he or his family participate in the synagogue or the temple or in the sacrifices. According to their plan and their interpretation and their understanding, they had cut him off from God. You are hopeless. You are outside. God will never, ever, 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 ever come to you. You are outside. You're away. You'll never come back. We have cut you off. Here's the second thing we learn. Second thing we learn about this, about God, our Heavenly Father, through the life of Jesus and what was happening here. God takes His grace and His mercy beyond our rules and beyond our religion. You see, every single religious system puts boundaries and limitations on God's mercy and God's grace. At some point in every religious system, somebody is just outside of God's grace and God's mercy, at just outside of the limit. Every single one, e- even Christian religion, e- denominations, at some point someone is just outside of God's grace. And we look at that person and we say, you are without hope. You are beyond saving. Jesus says, my mercy, my grace extends beyond your religion. You see, when your religion and your view of God becomes an obstacle for somebody, for grace to get to a person or mercy to get to a person, I'm just going to frankly tell you, you're believing wrong. Christians are just as guilty of this as world religions. If our personal belief system allows us to mistreat somebody on the outside then you are simply wrong. That person that is being condemned is just as valuable to God as you are. 
In fact, God tells us to not judge our enemies. God tells us to not shun our enemies. God tells us to not get even with our enemies. Jesus clarified it. He said, pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. What if? What if other people could on the outside could look at us and at Stuttgart Harvest Church, what if they could say, I may not like them as Christ followers, and I may not want to be a Christ follower, but man, their grace and their mercy at that church is boundless. My mentor asked this question, why are they not saying that about us? And the answer Perhaps we have not listened close enough to Jesus. The third thing we learn about God from Jesus is that God takes individual and specific interest in us. You see, we have this question that's in our heart and it, and it, it looms over us. Does God know me? Or does God just loved his whole creation, you know, the, just the big thing. Or does God care about individuals? And as we look at Jesus, and even in this story, guess what? Jesus chose to heal in almost every instance, one person at a time. Individuals. And he didn't have to. Jesus could have healed crowds. He could have healed hundreds, thousands, entire nations and countries and cities. But no, he chose to make it personal. One person at a time because your heavenly father cares about you. He cares about individual people. And you see, we would never figure that out if we weren't able to look at the life of Jesus. Here's a an example of that. It goes on, verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. Do you get that? He didn't wait until the man came crawling back to Jesus, wounded and hurt and searching for answers. Jesus went looking for him. Why? Because individuals matter to Jesus Christ and individuals matter to your heavenly father. And we can never learn that by looking at nature, or looking inside of ourselves, or meditating, or looking at a religious system. So Jesus found him and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now this is interesting because this man has never seen Jesus. Jesus sent him off blind, and then he washed, then he could see. Jesus was not there. He had never seen Jesus, but I can only imagine he's hearing that voice and he's trying to place, I know that voice, I know that voice, that voice. That's the voice of the man who healed me, the man they call Jesus. That voice is asking me a question. Do I believe in the Son of Man? I'm not sure I believe in the Son of Man because I don't know what he's talking about. Verse 36, the man answered, who is he, sir? I, I, I want to believe in him. I recognize your voice, your Jesus, you healed me. And if you say, I need to believe in something, I want to know what do you believe? Because I want to believe in that. 
The man answered, who is he? I want to believe him. Verse 37, Jesus says, you have seen him. Jesus said, and he is speaking to you right now, this moment. And the man replies in verse 38, then yes, Lord, I believe the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. These are things we never would have learned about the Father by just looking at nature. These are things we never would have learned about the Father by looking into a religious system or looking into ourselves. These were revealed to us through the life and the words of Jesus. And here they are. God sometimes chooses to stop our pain to show his power. God takes his grace and his mercy beyond our rules and beyond our religion. And God takes specific individual interest in us. We could not have learned these three things without the life and the words of Jesus. So once again this week, we want to ask you to do this. Would you take one more gospel either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, it doesn't matter which, will you take one more gospel and read that this week and ask this question every time you sit down to read it. What can I learn about the Father through the Son this week? If one of the reasons that Jesus came to this earth was to tell me and to show me what God is really like, what can I learn about the Father through the Son this week in this gospel. Will you ask that question and then will you write down what you find out? Let's pray. God, our Father, sometimes you move into our lives to stop our pain in order to show us and the people around us how great you are. You don't do that every time, but sometimes you do. And God, you take your grace and you take your mercy and you move beyond our rules and beyond our religion of how we say you should operate and you go beyond that straight to the individual with your grace and your mercy. And God, you take individual and specific interest in us. We are not just part of your creation. We are your children individually. And you have sought us out. And we were so much on your heart and in your mind that you actually left the wonders of heaven and you came to this corrupt and hurting creation, and you walked among us and lived with us. You became one of us, and we are forever grateful. Thank you. Only a good father would do that. Thank you. Only a good father would go to the extremes that you have gone to in order to redeem your creation. Thank you. And it is in the name of Jesus who came to live among us to die for us. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things. 
Amen.